1: Welcome back to another episode of the Prospects Live Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Almaguer, and we're back. Jeff Ponce, Matt Thompson. After a one-week hiatus, I, yours truly, was traveling on vacation, and of course it was Memorial Day, so we decided let's just take the weekend off, do what you want to do, take it easy, watch some more baseball, if that's what you guys were up to. Uh, Gentlemen, a non-crazy question today. I want to set the stage for the kind of the roundtable of today's episode. Which is about kind of the pop up prospects, checking back in on them. How real are their starts? And are we buying in now that we're about five weeks in? Matt, most surprising prospect start, good or bad, uh, that you've seen this year?
2: Fun question, but I'm going to put my Homer hat on for a second and say Nick Plummer. Uh, okay. Nick, Nick Plummer for what he's doing in Double A. Uh, he's in the Cardinals organization, if you're not familiar. First round pick, uh, way back in. 2015, and to say it's been a struggle for him at this point, it would not do it justice because he's been pretty terrible. Uh, He's on his last season of after this year, he either has to be added to the 40-man or just straight-up released in the minor league free agency, Uh, but he seems like he's taken advantage of the time off and has turned himself into a much different hitter. New swing, very short to the ball, very quick, Uh, body looks great, uh, I and mean, the numbers look fantastic. So hopefully, Nick Pumber can keep that up.
1: Yeah, he's uh, he'll turn 25 in July. He's in Double A, slashing 292, 385, 506. So a little bit, a little bit more pop, I guess. It's that new swing, Matt, that you're seeing that might might be helping him not only cut down on the strikeouts but add, add a little bit more pop.
2: Uh, yeah, it looks it's very simple. I saw a video clip. Uh, if you're not following following Kyle Reese on Twitter, you're also doing yourself a disservice. He posts gifs all the time prospects and he's got a really good gif of Nick Plummer against a lefty pitcher, just keeping it simple, driving the ball right up the middle and it looks great. So it's encouraging to see. He's a left handed hitter by the way, so that's why it's a little bit encouraging to see him against the left.
1: Sweet. Jeff, who is your most surprising start to the year minor leagues could pitcher, batter, good start, bad start. What's got you
3: what's got you uh peaked with your interest? Yeah, I think it has to be uh, San Diego Padres' prospect as if they needed any more that were performing. But it's Jack Sawinski. Um, he was a relative unknown, uh, I think, for a lot of folks in prospect circles. Um, primarily left field, center field, uh, excuse me, center field. Eh! Left field, right field, he's a corner outfielder, Um Guy that was out of Taft High School, not too far down the road from our friend, Mr. Thompson, which is actually a public high school located in Chicago over on the north side. He's probably a Cubs fan, but um, he was drafted back in the 15th round back in 2016. Um, he was actually Rule 5 eligible this year. Nobody picked him up, but left-handed bat, he's hit for a ton of power um, here early. He's walking and getting on base at a really high rate. And I believe um, among players that are 22 years of age or younger um, across all levels of affiliated ball in the minor leagues, in particular, when we use that term, I believe he is actually in the top 10, if I'm not mistaken, uh, of WRC plus. So he's really produced so far this year. Um, You know, the numbers have been really strong. And he is, you know, a, a pop-up prospect in the truest sense of the word, um, where he's somebody that was way off everyone's radar and has been really great uh, throughout the early portion of 2021. He's a guy that's showed up on our minor league daily sheets quite a bit. So uh, Jack Sawinski is, I think, a really interesting name. He's 22 and AA, Um, So I think it's something that you could probably be- dream on and believe a little bit more than, um, you know, some some other potential breakouts. But I think he's a really interesting player um, to sort of follow along with. So Jack Sawinski is the guy for me.
1: Yeah, that's a great name. I, I honestly hadn't even heard of Jack Sawinski until maybe early last week when he showed up on the sheet for the first time. That sheet, by the way, if you guys are not following along, I assume you are, but if you are not, we drop six times a week a minor league daily sheet. Jeff, Matt, and Reese White get to work and drop a ton of blurbs. At least sixty plus each each for each um, sheet article, and it just kind of recaps the best action from the day before, and gives a little bit of context, a little bit of scouting notes, a little bit of humor, a little bit of dynasty advice here and there. So it's it's really everything you would want um, to cover as we trudge along the minor league season. Um, I think for me, uh, here's a. I think I don't know if it's a USF baseball there. Uh, they're, they're up They're They're sort of surprising performance in the regionals where they beat Florida. They beat Miami and now they're going against South Alabama to advance to the super regionals. I don't know if it's just USF is on my mind. You know, I, I used to work there for a couple of years. That's where I saw Shane McClanahan when he was there, but, uh, Carson Ragsdale, former USF pitcher. He's off to a pretty Im- impressive start. He is a big dude, six foot eight. I remember him when he was, he was a goofball, uh, when we would work behind the scenes for like the video stuff I needed him for. Um, Big dude, like I said, six foot eight. Um, his velocity has ticked up a little bit this year. He's 23. He is in A-ball, so he is old for the level, so it's appropriate that he is dominating. But I think if I'm not mistaken, he's second in the minors in strikeout rate at 45%, almost basically just 46%. And 255 ERA, 252 fib. Uh, isn't walking many guys, There's seven walks in his 24 and, and two thirds innings. Um, I don't, you know, he's, he is pitching above his head and he is taking advantage of the weaker competition, but kind of shot at the Carson Ragsdale. big, uh, big, big, uh, big performance out of him right now. All right. So three names off the, off the list here, boys, I want to start with Jackson Kowar. We got news a few hours before we started recording that he was going to debut today when this is dropping at, Los Angeles against the Angels. Jeff, I'll kick it off to you first. Jackson Kowar, someone whose numbers have been just pretty fantastic all throughout the minor leagues. We know he was a, he was a sturdy workhorse. He was always putting in the numbers. He's never really had a bad professional season in the minor leagues. This year he's just taking it to another level. 31 and two thirds, 0.85 ERA, 42%, excuse me, uh 40, 33% strikeout rate. Um, I mean, everything has just come up his way. My concern, though, Jeff, is I'm worried he's a two pitch guy with the fastball and the changeup. So far, he's been able to manhandle AAA hitters. Are you still sharing some of that concern with Kowar? Or are you, or are you full
3: steam ahead for him? Um, I guess it depends what full steam ahead for Kowar equates to. Um, so he's a two pitch guy, you know, it's changeup first. Um, over the breaking ball. He doesn't have a great breaking ball on the curveball, but it can flash. I would say fringe average at times. Um, It's probably, it's a better breaking ball than, than what Chris Paddock has, which I think when you look at this profile, that's probably what you're a little worried about. Um, But Chris Paddock was really good early on in his major league career when he was hot and he was right. Um, So yeah, I think that um, he can be a rotation piece. I do think that he's a starter. Um, maybe there's some trouble getting through the order, um, the third time through, you know, so he might be sort of a, a, a five inning type guy. Um, but I think for a rookie pitcher, you know, he does do, uh, a couple of things really well. He throws, you know, um, a relatively high number of strikes, you know, it's it's not like he's surgical. It's not like he's a guy that's, you know, under 5% in terms of his walk rate, but, you know, he hovers somewhere between like, six and eight percent uh or thereabouts and he's done a pretty good job of not he's not an extreme ground ball guy but he will drive a fair amount of ground balls as well and sort of control contact so um i do think there's some things to like with with Coar, and you know the fastball is probably fringe uh excuse me um above average to potentially plus and i think the changeup is an easy plus pitch if not a little bit better so Um, he has two really, really good pitches and one happens to be the fastball and the other is a changeup. And, you know, if you're going to have two really good pitches, that's probably the way to go. You know Um, he will throw the the changeup right on right as well. So, you know, there's a little bit less of a concern because it does play against both handedness. Um, He's a big boy, you know, really long um, uses his levers to, you know, sort of boost up his perceived velocity as well. Gets good extension. So, I think there's a lot to like about Cower now. I think he's probably a number four starter long-term. So I guess adjust accordingly. I mean, I wouldn't be too excited in a 12-team league. 15-team league, I think I could buy in a little bit more, um, especially depending upon how deep your benches are and your minor league systems and that sort of thing. And then anything after 15, I think, you know, he's probably an absolute start just simply because you need innings in those formats. So... Um, nothing to argue there, not a bad ad if, you know, you can still make a waiver wire move, um, for Cowher start on Monday night.
1: You're muted, Eddie. How did I unmute myself? Okay. Let me start this again. Uh, yeah, Jeff. Those are all those are all great points, and I pretty much agree with a lot of what you said. I wonder though. You said fastball changeup is kind of the alt- optimal two pitch sort of dynamic if you have to have two pitches. I, I kind of think to Dennis and Lemet, of course, the premier two pitch guy, where we have questions of it, is should it? Is it? I thought two, uh, fastball
3: slider might have been the the sort of no. two pitch dynamic you want. Definitely not. Definitely not because sliders typically don't. They typically don't work against one handedness all the time, almost always. Um, and it really depends, you know, if you are a parachute type changeup, uh, I just think it works better and you can usually dominate guys a little bit more in the same handedness bat, uh, batters with your fastball than you can. Um, where I think, you know, you, y- you really become a lot more split heavy, you know, when it comes to being slider dependent. Um, and I think we're seeing that now in the game that folks are moving more toward change up dependent um profiles and they tend to work in the in the in the bullpen better as well gotcha
1: okay that's 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 interesting i i somewhere i'm not sure where i could have sworn i heard that some one team was chasing sliders from righties toward lefties because they were finding that the split was with with opposite-handed sliders was actually a lot better than like, uh, than than the other kind of part pitches. I got I'll, I'll find it. I'll send it to you out when we're done. Cause I'm, I'm just curious your take on it, Matt, when you go to, um, when you look at the army of pitchers that have come through for, for the Royals, can you compare how you kind of like Koar versus Brady singer versus Chris Bubic versus Daniel Lynch? And I think I'm, I'm missing anyone that that's come up in the last year. So I don't, I don't think I have, but
2: no, I think you, you got them all. I, how I would rank them personally. Um, I, I still believe in Daniel Lynch, despite his horrendous struggles in his uh, big league debut. There's talk that he was tipping his pitches, so I mean, if, if that's the case, then it makes perfect sense. But uh, I, I couldn't hear Jeff; I had some internet issues. But like, the thing that makes me a little nervous about Colar is the only having two pitches. But again, if it's if it's not fastball slider, fastball changeup is essentially kind of what I'm looking for as well. Like big, tall, righty. Um, kind of reminds me a lot of Michael Walker in a sense with the fastball changeup. But, but my, as you can tell, Michael Walker had, a, had a, a kind of a real short window where he was dominant and then kind of he had injuries and stuff that go with it, but he kind of fell apart a little bit too. SEC arm just like uh, him at all. And, um, but yeah, yeah I, I think going with the Royals, I, I put Bubic, Bubic is the distant fourth out of that group, but uh, I really like what they're doing with their pitching. Daniel Lynch, uh, and Koar are, are, are the my preferred two. Brady Singer, I mean, he had some success earlier. He's kind of got the deeper arsenal of he probably of the four. But uh, yeah, man, give me um give me Lynch, Lynch, Koar, Singer, and then like I said, distant fourth, Bubich. Uh, sorry, Ruth.
0: <laughs> cool. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woo a hand clapper, a high-fiver? I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18+. plus.
1: Okay, so let's switch gears now, guys, to the main roundtable topic of the night. Kind of doing a little bit of a heat check on the pop-up prospects that have come up this year. I think maybe three or four weeks ago, we looked at some of the big names that were popping off. I kind of want to revisit some of those names, some different names, and really just kind of check in, hey, five weeks in, are we buying this start? We're about a month in, a little bit over a month. You know, some stuff is stabilizing, just how real are some of these starts. So we'll start with one of the stars of the minor league daily sheet, Nick Prado, first baseman for the Kansas City Royals. Nick Prado is off to one of the hardest starts, potentially the hardest start in all of minor league baseball, slashing 304, 459, 674. That's a 21% walk rate, 23% strikeout rate. ISO, 370. And I love that the BABIP is it's just 333. This is kind of pretty standard. Nine home runs, five steals. Although, don't I mean, don't buy the steals too much. But, you know, a handful is nice. Coming into this year, guys, 2017, 2018, 2019 he had 27 professional home runs. He's at nine right now. I think there's a legitimate chance he's going to eclipse all of what he's done in his minor league career just in 2021. Uh, it's, this has been the resurgence of Nick Prado. Jeff, you, like again, you write about him pretty much every day because he's always doing something for the Royals, the Borders minor leagues, of course. What is up with Nick Prado? Is this legit? Is it for real?
3: Yeah, I think it definitely is. Um, Prado was a guy that... Coming out of his draft year, I think anybody that watched the swing, uh, you know, coming into the 2017 draft, loved it. Um, It's, you know, it's a beautiful left-handed stroke. Uh, It was just a matter of getting to it in games um, with power. And it's funny because I almost look at like that 2019 Wilmington team and everybody was so bad, you know, MJ Melendez, Prado, others as well. And now you're looking and these guys are both having tremendous seasons um, here in 2021. And I don't know if, you know, maybe some time being around the alternate site um, and some of the camps and things like that and just having a year off, be able to work on stuff. um, Gave Prado the time that he needed to sort of, you know, mature as a hitter um, and not in front of everyone's eyes, which I think can probably be a really uncomfortable situation. But even beyond his bat to ball skills, which. You know, are, are fairly strong, um, but not great. I mean, he's about a 70% contact rate guy, which is an elite. It's the approach. It's the fact that, um, you know, he's running incredibly high walk rates at the moment. It's a 21.3% walk rate uh, to just about an even K rate, just a touch above at 23. Um, so he's swinging and missing a little bit less. He's showing more power. I think the the pitch selection has been better. Um, and every single time he gets up to the plate, he's working deep into counts. He's seeing a lot of pitches and waiting for pitches that he can drive. Um, so I think a lot of it is approach driven. And when you're looking at, you know, this profile, um, you know, he's left, left, left-handed hitting, left-handed throwing, which is sort of the prototype at first base. So he fits that to a T. He's getting on base. He's hitting for some average and hitting for power it's really that OPS sort of slanted skill set. That plays best at first base, so absolutely, I think Nick Prado is positioning himself as one of the premier first base prospects in the minors. One of the things I've
1: mentioned here before is Double A is maybe the most difficult jump a minor leaguer can make. He's obviously crushing it so far in his first score on in Double A. He's a little bit younger for the level as well. Is this now someone who we're looking at a, as a potential twenty-five home run? 340 OBP guy with like a 270 average? Jeff?
3: Yeah, I think, I think absolutely. Um, I don't think there's any reason to sort of back off of that, uh, especially considering when you see the level of approach that he has, um, even beyond the batting average, which could probably fluctuate from year to year. Like I said, he's not a tremendous contact hitter, um, but the fact that he's getting on base at such an elite rate makes a big difference. And I think that um, he can probably be somewhere thereabouts of what you said.
1: Matt Prado's weighted runs created just above 200 this far. Right. We spoke about what the stats look like. He's also using off fields more. He was a pretty big pool hitter in his first three minor league seasons, hovering about 44% in the pool rate. Now down to 32%, which is very encouraging. He's using, he's going up the middle way more now. Where do you rank Prado in a top 500 dynasty list.
2: Well, I have um, – I just kind of recently redid my rankings. I don't have my hitters and pitchers combined yet, but I do have my hitters ranked and my pitchers ranked. And I'm going to try to you know shuffle shuffle the deck together hopefully tonight and finish that up. But uh, it's weird to say, man, but I have Nick Prado as a top 40 hitter, which would roughly put him probably top 55, top 60 on a fantasy list. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fun here's the fun name. Here I'll ask you guys put you guys on the spot. The guy right behind Nick Prado right now is Trevor Larnik. It's pretty easy Prado right now, right?
1: Trevor, yeah. Ooh, I, I disagree. I think Trevor Larnick's a Larnik? I okay. think he's a stud right now. To be honest, he is he's I don't think I don't know if the results have been there, but he's like stung every boss so hard for
2: Yeah, they're back to back on my list. That gives you an idea of where
1: right? I there, there's a decent amount of stuff. I mean I'm I've been a noted Larnick stand for a long time, so he's like he's top twenty for me. Uh, and I'm I'm not even sure if he'll debut like in our list.
2: The ceiling and first base actually might be harder to fill in dynasty than an outfield spot too. So that's kind of why I lean toward Prado. But.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I, mean, exactly I get. I get it.
2: Up, so. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I, I get. Uh, you said. You said. So yeah. So you might be just a little bit lower than on Larnick than I than I am higher on Prado. But I when I I already have. I've been working my top one hundred as we get closer to releasing our top five hundred. I have Prado right now as at this very moment at eighty four. So okay. not yeah. too far from where you might have him. Uh so it looks like we're this kind of on that same year, wavelength.
2: We've we've mentioned it several times, but just to clarify, like this year, you're going to see drastic movement early with prospects just because of all the time off and everything. We the data we have, we're finally seeing it in game action. Normally yeah. I don't think we would shoot a guy from I mean, let's be honest, Nick Prado, If he was on our original list, he would have been in the four or something, probably four hundred. Normally, we weren't. We're not we are not going to throw a guy from like four, let's say four fifty, for example, up to up to sixty five or eighty within one update. But right now, yeah. with how new everything is and baseball yeah. being back, I think we're gonna see, you're gonna see drastic shifts, and you are seeing drastic changes. So I think that's to be fluid, and it's it's part of it. You know, players change, players evolve, but we've never seen a year and a half off without minor league baseball all of a sudden back into it and everybody's different now. Right. So it's been a lot of work watching games has been kind of FOMO watching a game. Cause you're watching this game and then you're like, Oh crap, Luciano just hit over here. I want to watch this. Now the college games are on. I want to watch, you know, Nico Cavadas go deep for the 37th time in the last week. And then, you know, and then you're trying to watch major league stuff in the meantime and hang out with your family. So you got to rank all that. But,
1: yeah. <laughs> I know you got your family last, man. So, <laughs> so- <laughs> so, all right. So, you talk about pop up guys, guys that we de- we didn't get a chance to see, uh, get eyes on. Uh, this yeah. next guy, someone who obviously we didn't have ranked because he was drafted last year and therefore right. e- eligible for drafts uh, for for rankings this coming up this coming year. Jake Eater for the Marlins, lefty, had a Vanderbilt, third round draft pick, hundred and fourth overall. On Sunday, he pitched lights out once again, five innings, I believe, eight strikeouts. He's up to twenty nine and two thirds innings. 50 strikeouts, which I I haven't checked everyone else around him, but that should be good for a top five in minor league baseball as of Sunday evening. Only two earned runs on on the year. Matt, Jake Eater, is he for real or are we still thinking this is just him taking advantage of the hitters he's facing? And once they start getting used to him, he might kind of just fall back into an SP4, SP5 role.
2: Uh, it's, he's tough because, I mean, he was at Vanderbilt, so everyone always kind of, your, your ears perk up when you get a Vanderbilt pitcher. But he kind of struggled at Vanderbilt, never really got a foothold on the rotation spot, kind of most of the time out of the bullpen, pitching low leverage outings because I think his mechanics kind of got away from him is my estimation there. But lefty, kind of tall, tall, gangly lefty, three-quarters arm slot, uh, gets up to 95 with that with that slider, which is the Marlins profile to a T a lefty with a mid nineties with the slider. Um, and I, I really like what Eater's doing. He's it's an aggressive assignment. Him and Max Meyer both on the double A squad, uh, both fresh out of college, both just destroying hitters. Uh, Meyer to a bigger extent even than we're talking about with Eater, but they've both been fantastic and Marlins are doing big things with pitching development at Vanderbilt and Miami. I mean what's not to love with either either of that. Um Ultimately, I think you're right. He's probably going to be, you know, a, a four that maybe has a couple seasons where he pitches over his skis a little bit. But I think he's a still back end type for me. But that being said, um, he's making me take notice, and uh, I'm not completely sold on it yet because I, I do think there's some. I like to see him go a little deeper in some ball games, but uh, he's a little inefficient sometimes in the zone. But I think that's part of what makes him so effective. But the fastball slider is a nasty combination, and he's. Got a high leverage bullpen floor right now, you know. So can't it's worth a it's worth a gamble and in fantasy for sure. If you're in a 15 team league, he should be owned by now. Assuming yeah. assuming it's he's eligible because he was just drafted. I don't know what your leagues did with the short season and the draft, but
1: yeah. I mean, it's certainly if you roster at least 200 prospects, he should he should be owned. And I think. He was someone that was picked up across all my leagues fairly early. I think he had that. I mean, his first start of the year was 12 strikeouts over five innings, and his next one was seven strikeouts over five innings. And I think after that, if you didn't pick it up then, you were too late. Jeff, someone who was not very loved, now very loved by yours truly at least, Roncy Contreras for the Pirates. Where do you have Ronci Contreras ranked in a fantasy list here? Because he's certainly taken a big jump, just like his velocity. His numbers have looked great he's in double a roughed up one time rebounded well i think it was six innings eight strikeouts where do you have ronson Contreras ranked right now
3: yeah i i have uh Contreras probably fairly high um i would say it's it's easy within the top 200 and i think there's a case that could probably be made that he's even pushing 150 to like 110 somewhere within that range um we had data on him in the off season i wrote up his report and he was traded and it never got posted in the pirates board we'll update that at some point um i was actually trying to find the data um right now as you were you were mentioning and i'll have it in a second um but he had really good pitch shape um the stuff in general was just strong um you know showed uh, a, a general ability to land the fastball high in the zone with a ton of efficient backspin um and he mix he mixes he mixes a few uh, secondaries that are you know all fairly strong yeah i have it right here um and this is alternate sight um last year um four seam, 93.6 miles per hour so not that far off from what he is now um he's got a clean um one o'clock Spin axis, uh, so it spins fairly clean on that, which means he's got a little bit of side, so it's not direct over the top. I think if you've seen his arm slot, that plays. You know, relatively high four-seam fastball, not spider tack high, but like normal natural <laughs> non-spider tack high, which is about 2,500 um, RPMs. Um, lower release, he's a 5.8, it's 5 feet, 8 inches release height, which is good. Um, and he's got an IVB of 18.1, which is above average. So he's a guy and, and he has a decent amount of run. Um, so he's a guy that has a really flat vertical approach angle. When we talk about that lower release, higher efficiency, um, good vertical movement, you know, efficient spin axis. So it's very similar to why, you know, a fastball, um, like Grayson Rodriguez is playing right now. Um, but certainly like Jack Leiter, who I think is probably more famous than anyone else will talk about on the show. Um, so I think that works. Um, you know, he's got a gyro slider, um, that he throws relatively hard, you know, high spin curveball, and um, he has a high spin change as well with a decent amount of runs. So he's got true four pitch mix, uh, and a really good fastball to play off of. Um, and I think that. Despite not being the biggest guy, he uses some of those character- characteristics to his advantage. So um, he's definitely a guy that I would potentially target in Dynasty Leagues right now. And I'm going to rank well within my top 200. Certainly. And I, I can tell I'm, I'm most likely going to be the high guy already
1: just because of that that VLO that bump a little bit. Li- little bit. You had him at 93 and, and change uh, from alternate training site. I think I've read reports of 94, 95 right now, which it, it sounds minuscule. But it, it, to me, that, that that's a pretty big jump. Right, every every mile per hours, you shave off some earned runs off off your you know season line. Um, I think I'll have him just inside my top one hundred. Uh, I'm a little bullish on on Ron C. Matt, where where do you fall? I know I know Jeff typically when he ranks his his pitchers, he's a little bit more cautious, rightly so. You know you don't want to get too hyped up on pitchers. Where do you rank? Where do you have Ron C. on your list? And are you closer to Jeff's side of the spectrum where he's he's encouraged, but maybe he's not all the way in like I am, perhaps.
2: I have him 25th pitcher, which, again, I haven't done my list, but I'm assuming it will probably be just outside the top 100, maybe 115 in range. Okay. Um, sure. For context, right around him, I have um, Simeon Woods Richardson and Davey Garcia are in the same range. That's the guy above and below him right now on my list. Okay. But that's um, – I think that's – I don't know if you have any issues with that, with that, but that's the kind of cluster I have them ranked around if, if that's useful for anybody right now. That is a yeah. project to change because we haven't published this, but that's what I have right
1: now. All right. Fair enough. Okay. I'm going to stick with you here, Matt. This next name here, he's someone that I – you know, complete pop-up names similar to like Jack Zawinski, like Jeff mentioned at the top of the show. That's Johan Mises for the Red Sox in AAA. Got the bump to AAA. He started in AA – And the reason he got the bump to AAA so fast already was because in A, he had 11 home runs. That's a 429 ISO, slash 286, 368, 714. The strikeouts were in check. This isn't just a huge slugger, 20% strikeout rate. And he's only had three games in AAA, already has a homer there. He's kept the strikeouts roughly in check there as well. Matt Johan Mises is about to turn 26, so he is age appropriate for AAA and will be an older prospect in general. What are you thinking with Johan Mises? Where should we be grabbing him? Because there comes a point where it becomes a bit too loud to ignore no matter what league, you know, what league size you might be in. Uh, Johan
2: Mises is interesting and he's a guy that's um, I'm always gonna like because when he hit that home run, he hit he hit a train, and anytime you can hit a train, uh, you guys know where I work at. Anytime you can hit a train, it's good for me because I dislike trains. So uh, train violence is acceptable in my world. But um I,
1: and you work, you work at a Thomas the Train children's set-up place. Uh, yeah.
2: Yes. I drive kids around the mall. I have to yeah. wear my uniform. It's terrible.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm
2: kidding. I don't do that. But um, no, I mean, and he also fits the narrative of a former Cardinal prospect that's going off elsewhere, too. For So that's also checks that box. But, no, I, I think – I wish Boston was worse because I think he might get a chance to come up this year out a kind of an iffy team kind of see sorry jeff i said boston even worse, but if, if if you know a, a poor team is more likely to give him a chance i think so I, I kind of maybe someone trades for him um i view him similar to like hard-hitting chris giddens who just got called
1: i was, up. I was just thinking that yep that good call kind
2: of archetype that i view him as uh hopefully he proves me wrong so far this year in the minors and is showing a lot more thump which giddens has but uh Strikeouts should still be there, and I fully expect Mises to strike out a bunch, but supposedly too. I can't confirm any of this, but I've heard he's kind of a wild man and his teammates really, really like him because he's kind of off the wall and he's like a big party from my understanding. Maybe that's changed. I don't know. But,
1: uh. Interesting. Have not heard that, but interesting behind the scenes look there at Johan Mises. Jeff, I, you know, Red Sox prospect, I'll let you say your piece here on him. Uh, are you excited about Mises? Is he Does he have the ceiling of a second division regular? Is it a little bit higher than that?
3: Maybe the ceiling is a second division regular. Um, maybe this is sort of a 25-year-old breakout in the high minors. And there is a definitive difference between Chris Giddens and him, other than the four years in age. Um, and that is he's about 15 to 20 points higher over the last couple of years in the upper minors with his contact rate. He's been running an 80% contact rate this year. Um, his, K, his K percentages are way down. Um, you're looking at, I think it was 20% in Portland. In a short sample size, it's been under 20% in terms of the strikeout rate in Worcester. Um, he's got mammoth power. And actually, I think he's been showing a little bit more approach. Maybe not as passive as he was Um over the course of 2019, where it first started to materialize a little bit as his contact rate started to climb and his walk rate started to decrease, and his excuse me, his walk rate started to go up and his strikeout rate started to decrease. Um, but he's honestly doing a little bit of everything. Um, his batting average on balls and play, because he hits so many fly balls, is relatively low. It was only 241 in Portland and 286 now in Worcester. Like I said, it's a handful of games. So take that uh with what you will but um he's actually hitting more to his pull side he's making more contact he's striking out less he's walking more and the power is playing more in games um and I'm going to throw this out there once again just throw a little jab back at Matt anybody that the cardinals release that's like under 26 years old you should probably pay attention to i mean at this point there's there's three cardinals players i can think about that they released i got you another one this year not even Dallas garcia
2: uh, Jose Godí
3: is for some reason yep. playing in the major leagues.
2: Patrick Wisdom,
3: whoever the hell the guy is, uh, that's in Triple uh, A right now with the Tigers. He started the year in Double yep. A. Ariel AAA.
2: Gonzalez. He's the got re- nine the homers the and is like got reason, like a seven hundred yeah. slug yep.
3: across two levels. Yep. All all Cardinals minor league free agents, guys yep. that were all essentially just thrown away like trash out of the organization. Yep, and. All these guys are performing the best of the bunch. That we was picked
2: been. up Brandon Waddell on waivers today. So, watch yeah, uh.
3: and 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 Mises Mises has been the best. I think that the thing that you have to look at here, and it's funny because I noticed this on Friday night or Saturday morning as I was writing up Mises' homer, he hit the train in Worcester. This new stadium, they have the train tracks go behind, behind left field. And I'm there in the second game of the yeah. season, and I'm looking at it. And I'm going, who's going to be the first person that hits the train? and it's Johan Mises is the first person to hit the train from the home team uh, in Worcester. He's got that kind of power. It's just mammoth pull-side power. And the fact that he's making contact at a 77 to 80% rate, I think you got to buy in a little bit more because there's more bat-to-ball skills than we had initially suspected. Um, and even at 25, there's plenty of – Chris Kittens. There's plenty of older – Power hitting prospects in the minors that are still sixty-five to seventy percent contact rate. Oh, well. There's a little <laughs> bit more hit tool here than we than we expected. I'm I'm a little shocked, frankly. I looked at I looked at it like I said. This is a new development for me over the last couple of days. This first month in terms of sample size, Mises has been putting the bat in the ball.
2: That's a good call on the contact. I wasn't aware of that. But previous years, I wasn't was, either. <laughs> previous years, he was a whiff machine. To, to give myself some credit on that, but. It's really good to know with the contact rate. So, uh,
1: you yeah. know, one of the one of the one of the things I enjoy about doing this podcast is when we start talking about players and I, and I hear reasoning and, and and kind of learn new information from you two on air. I'm I'm making moves in my league, so I just dropped in a 16 teamer. Jeremy De La Rosa from the Nationals picked up Johan Mises just to ride that train. You know, see see where it goes. Enough train um, metaphors, man. I'm done with those. <laughs> <laughs> you might just hit it, <laughs> Matt. You've written a lot about Gunnar Henderson as you write at the low-A portion in our minor league daily sheet. There's not much to say about this dude. He's just—he's looking like such a complete package. And I I will tout ourselves. I will pat our back. I will be that microphone for us publicly and say we were first on the Gunnar Henderson train when we ranked him inside the top 100 in January. At the time, he was outside of top 200 for a lot of other lists. We, of course, we had the luxury of data and we applied the data and got on board. Now, of course, everyone is everyone sees how good he is. And, of course, eight home runs, four steals, slashing 314, 379, 618. The power is looking great. About the only real concern is over the last 10 games or uh, six, seven games, the strikeouts have started creeping up. 28% strikeout rate on the season. Um, Matt, I don't don't know if you need to say anything good about him because he's 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 looking just like a really, really well rounded player. But are the strikeouts. Is this something that you would expect or is it maybe not so much what you would expect out of Gunnar Henderson?
2: Right now, with, with the way, you know, we haven't seen organized baseball for a while, you can kind of go anywhere. But props to Jeff on this one, because I, I want to say our first text in our group chat about Gunnar Henderson might have been like a year ago at this time, like because we had information like how, what he was doing at the all-site and no one was saying peep about him. And then we you know caught him on the top 100 list aggressively, like you said, and it's making us look pretty smart. So that's something that's very nice to see. But yeah, man, like the only thing, the only question I have, which doesn't matter because he, he's hitting the shit out of the ball. So it doesn't matter where he plays, but if he's going to play short or third, honestly, that's that's the biggest question mark I have about Henderson's game. And they have a lot of other, probably better defensive shortstops in the system. So they could slide him over. But it's real power 25, 30 home run power, if not more than that. Uh, the bat to ball worries me. Slightly, but, I mean, again, not really because he's facing pitchers that are not in his organization for the first time for a stretch, and he's doing severe damage. I mean, yes, uh, Saturday uh, this week he was 0 for 5 with five strikeouts. So, yes, you 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 wear that one. But when you've been riding as hot as, you know, Gunnar Henderson has been, the tide's got to come in or at least a little bit, right? But the best thing about that is it means it's going to go back out. So he's going to keep hitting. He's on fire. Uh, one of the most fun prospects to watch to left-handed left-handed swing takes big, big, big hacks, doesn't get cheated, but still squares the ball up. It's, it's fun.
1: Well, and, and I should note before anyone gets crazy about strikeouts. I mean, he is 19. He just turned 20 at the end of the month, but 19 in a league where yeah, he's about a year and a half younger than the typical competition. So it's, it's very yeah. impressive that he's not only just holding his own, but just really excelling in it. And that says something. Remember, of the things you want to look at for breakout prospects and to see if it's real the hype prospects the ones who will shoot up the highest are the ones doing really well where they're young for the loved one gunner henderson is doing just that yes jeff closing thoughts on gunner henderson i mean i i don't know what more what much
3: more else there is to say yeah um it's it's come to fruition beautifully i know that uh i pushed him way up in the list um on my fantasy list when we did the last top 500. You know, I was really sort of beating the drum on uh, on Henderson this offseason. Got him in a few spots even before the, the baseball card complete blow up. I actually got a couple autographed uh, Gunnar Henderson cards. And I, I usually don't go out and buy stuff like that. But I believed enough that the market was that undervalued that it might be a big win. So, so far, so good with Gunnar, man. He's shown some absolute fireworks. And I think when you consider how young this kid is... Um, and how much power he has already uh it's pretty promising. I got a I got a question for you Jeff.
1: Uh Gunnar Henderson, fantasy, Gunnar Henderson or Robert Hassel.
3: Um you know I I think I, I I still probably lean Robert Hassel a little bit. He's younger. Um I think the hit tool is better. I think the power will come. He's just a really good all-around player. Um but I think I think the world of Robert Hassel III. So um, I would still I'm still leaning Robert Hassel here. And I think even, you know, I when I do my fantasy ranks, I think sometimes when we get to a situation like this, where I like both players and I could see both players having a ton of fantasy upside and one being better than the other and being a star. I frankly think that um, Robert Hassel III's um, name value is just worth more. He's probably a better trade piece. And I think for most folks that are picking up prospects and most dynasty leads because they're not 30 teamers or something where you're sitting on guys, uh, you're looking to pick up names that you can you can flip in deadline deals to improve your team for the stretch run. And I think that Hassel probably gives you that more than Gunnar Henderson does at this point.
2: I think it's Bobby, Bobby Barrels because of the speed factor.
3: Yeah, and his name is Bobby Barrels.
2: Yeah, it's fantastic. But Bobby Barrels for the, the speed factor. I think Henderson's guy obviously got a bigger power ceiling, but the hit tool and the speed – in my opinion, go to Hassel. Um, so I think that's... What I yeah,
3: go. yeah. But I think the power is a little bit closer in that category than maybe it I agree. is. agree.
2: I think Hassel's closer to twenty homer-a-season kind of I mean, guy. Maybe more than we thought he was... than I thought he was. Draft time, I thought he's maybe like a 15-20 guy, but he might be a 20-15 guy flipped the other way, which okay. And I don't think Hunderson's going to steal 15 bags, but you don't care about, about that as long well as he's hitting, so...
1: Jeff, I'm going to stick with you here on Shea Langlier's Braves catcher in Double A. He's 23 years old. He's having a tremendous season. He had that three-homer game that really upped his statistics, but he's got seven home runs on the year, 284, 411, 622, and that power is really impressive. He's got a 338 ISO, and he's someone not, like, not unlike Nick Prado who's begun using the field a lot more. 35% pull rate, which is great. 35% oppo, 29% up the middle. So always love it. When a guy is using the entire field, I kind of want you to say in public, what you were saying about Shay Langley fantasy wise, I think it was fine. Well, I don't know if it was fancy or real life either way, which one in relation to Adley Rushman, Baltimore, uh, Baltimore Orioles, superstar catcher.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I- I think the things that Langley has had working against him to kind of to set the context was he was injured um, and I might have these injuries reversed, but he had a wrist injury, I believe, a sophomore season at Baylor. And then his junior season, um, he had a hammock bone injury, so a a hand injury. And he came back really quickly from that. He actually hit afterward, but I don't think we ever got to fully see what he was capable of at the plate. Um, Defensively, he's superior to Adley Rushman. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a, in my opinion, I think, you know, it's a 60 arm and it's probably 60 field, even if the grades are relatively close. Um, I think it's probably Lang Lears. Um, so I think he's got that working against him. The fact that, you know, we had those couple of injuries and hand wrist, you know, it's obviously going to hurt your production offensively. Um, so we never really got that full sample size. And the other side of it is he had to be compared to Adley Rushman in every turn because he was in the same draft um but you know now that they're in pro ball i, I don't think the gap is all that far i think Lears, gabriel moreno um from toronto um as well as as adley rushman i think you know those are probably three of the premier catching prospects um in the upper minors at the moment i know we have francisco alvarez who's not too far off now in high a but you know i i still think he's got a ways to go to catch up defensively um you know, to those other guys who are all pretty good defensive catchers. If I had to rank defense, it would probably be Moreno, Lang Lears, and then Rushman. Uh, and then in terms of the bat, it's it's probably Rushman, um, Lang Lears, and then Moreno. I don't think Moreno has as much power as the other two, though he may have the best hit tool of the three. Um, so I think he's within that tier. And if we sat here in five years and Shea Lang Lears was the better all around major league catcher and maybe even the better offensive major league catcher, it would be a slight shock, but not a total shock. I think more on the offensive side than it is in the overall package. Um, And, you know, even prior to that three home run game, he had a WRC plus of 146 and 865 um, OPS and a 242 ISO. Really the only thing that he's lacked in his game thus far this season um, has more or less been batting average. So You know, I think when you sort of look at that, uh, there's a lot to like um, with this package. And, you know, in the last few games, he's had whatever, six, seven, eight hits. So it's allowed him to boost that batting average up quite a bit um, to match the rest of the numbers, which have been fabulous this season, you know. Um, So it's good to see him show the power, even if it came in in bunches. I'll still take it. It's a month into the season. Um, And, you know, we're seeing all around production on base and slug. From one of the premier defensive catching prospects in the game,
2: I think the Braves have to go to him soon too, right? With Darno being gone,
3: do you um, think William Contreras? is Kevin
2: Kevin Kevin Smith, if you've heard of him, is the backup catcher. Uh, Alex Jackson.
3: Jackson and,
2: Alex Jackson is hurt, and and he hasn't proven anything in his time. Jackson is in the best AAA, out, isn't he? Uh, he might be now. I know he. I was think he, I
3: think he team has team. been for about two or three weeks. I, think, I think they, they actually want to send him on a rehab assignment and then promote him.
2: In. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense.
3: But, so, I mean, you know.
2: correct me if I'm wrong here, but Lang Lears is better than all those guys right now.
3: <laughs> I think he might be. I think he might yeah. be. Um, I guess it's just a matter of, I don't think they're worried about service time there. I think no, they just want him so. to truly get his feet wet for a couple of months. But, you know, if it comes to trade deadline and they can't find a catcher that they feel um, fits a need and Contreras is struggling and <laughs> the rest of the journeymen are who they are um Jeff it's Matthews. not out of, the, uh, not out of the, the realm of possibility that he could potentially be up in late july or early august so yeah, don't I don't, don't stash
2: because him him, don't stash catchers but just keep an eye
3: yeah and i think once he's up i think he is a guy that uh i think it plays you know and i think offensively the only stash right now at catcher is probably cal raleigh who should be up relatively soon
1: agreed yeah yep matt this next team is someone that's new to me, not unlike Jack Zwinski from the top of the show. Ken Waldechuk, he's a lefty for the Yankees in high A. He's had a tremendous, tremendous start to his year. And as I put up his numbers, I'm always intrigued by Yankees' arm because they're pretty good at developing pitchers. 24 in two-thirds innings, 45 strikeouts in, in, in those innings, just 10 walks, zero, uh, zero earned runs. You heard that correctly. He has not allowed a run yet and he's just looking like an all-around boss, 48% strikeout rate. I mean, his K-minus walk rate, 38%, one of the best in all of minor league baseball. Who is this guy, and should we care about him?
2: As far as who he is, I mean, it's a Yankees prospect that throws the shit out of the ball that is buried on a system that has a lot of good arms. But left-hander, like you said, is big go-to pitch. Well, he lives in the mid-90s with the fastball. Uh Kind of which throws from a little bit of a lower arm slot, which kind of makes a little funk to it. And uh, his big wipeout pitch is a slider, and the slider is nasty. He uh, throws a curveball as well. The slider is the preferred breaking ball. I think he also throws a changeup, if I'm not mistaken. But he's pretty much fastball slider. Uh, Trevor Hoof did a breakdown on Twitter, if you're not familiar. Go follow that. Uh I'll continue the praise that Trevor Hooth gets on every publication on Plastics live, but he's a good dude, so follow him. Um,
1: but and yeah. well, I, I, I reached out to Trevor just to make sure because one of the one of the things when I was uh, as I was learning about Walter Chuck was he was someone who whose fastball was low nineties. In this year, Trevor, I I, 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 I reached yeah. out to him and he said, "Yeah, on the broadcast in the second start of the year, they said mid 90s And even if it, even if that stadium, even if the stadium gun is hot, which is what that's what it was according to the stadium gun. That's a couple of extra ticks. And coming from the left hand side, that's a big deal. If you're ninety ninety one and now you're maybe ninety-three, ninety-four, yeah. that's a that's a pretty sizable jump. And it it I don't want to say breakout, but certainly you've maybe elevated your profile a lot more than it was coming into the year.
2: Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think that the big key is playing that fastball off that slider, right? He works the fastball primarily down on a way to righties, and what he gets with, with right handers is he'll go off that plane and he'll Back, use the slider and go toward the back foot, kind of a little late. It's a late breaking pitch, and they're waiting for the fastball on the outside corner and goes right across the plate. There, it's tunnels very well, repeats his simple delivery very well. Um, my only concern, and it's not for one this year, is uh, Yankees pitching staff's hard to break into, uh, but there are trades and there are things that happen, and uh, that's that's next year's problem. Keep kicking the can down the road on that, but right now, Waldechuk is an interesting dynasty. Potential asset you could get for nothing, and hell, if you flip them for somebody, good for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd be surprised if you were owned in a league with more than three hundred, excuse me, less than three hundred prospects. I picked him up today in a league with five hundred prospects, a very competitive league too. So it's, uh, I would imagine he, he's out and available for you, Jeff. To ra- to wrap up wrap us up on the uh, the kind of the hot the hot prospects here. One guy who should not be available is Shane buys for the Rays. He's in Double A. He's having a tremendous, tremendous start to his year. Twenty-seven and two-thirds innings. He has a forty-one percent strikeout rate. An amazing one-point-nine percent walk rate. He just has two walks on the year, and his numbers just look fantastic. Two-nine-three ERA, two-one-five fib Just a great start overall. Are you st- are you
3: still thinking he ends up a reliever? Given no. his numbers. No, I actually think that we're trending more toward him potentially being a starter. Um, I guess the, the big issue...
2: Whatever that means for Tampa, right?
3: Exactly. Because <laughs> that's sort of the elephant in the room is, you know, um, do the Rays allow him to go deeper into games? But, you know, he has relatively the same stuff as Hunter Green, right? He's big fastball you know, he's got good secondaries, good curveball, change. He throws the really good cutter as well. And we've seen how, you know, cutters have really played for a lot of these top arms with good velocity, whether it's Corbin Burns or, of course, you know, Jacob DeGrom. Um, a lot of these guys are utilizing these hard, these hard biting cutters now. And he's throwing strikes with it. Um, you know, he's avoided hard contact for the most part. And he's just put up tons of, you know, swing and miss and punched out a ton of batters he's really only had one poor start throughout the season um they're building up his having him go a little bit deeper he's gone five and actually gotten to the fifth in his last four um only went four and two thirds back on 516 but he's been you know five innings out there uh in and out and had Multiple starts now, uh, 10 in, a 10-inning run consecutive, probably even more than that, where um, he hasn't allowed a walk. And actually dating back his last three starts, which is a total of 15 innings, he's only allowed one free pass while he's struck out 26 batters over that 15-inning stint. He's nearly unhittable at this point. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot to take away. And I think the other thing is he's in the same league as Hunter Green. Um, So Green's going deeper into games, I think somewhat to his detriment. They have put him out there in the seventh and consecutive starts (laughs) where he's given up some hard contact. Um, But I think the last piece that you probably have with Green is the command. Um, Some of it's getting hit. Some of it's been walks and other starts. Um, But I don't think they're all that far off at this point with all the hype that Green is getting. I think Boz is sort of going... Uh, a little bit underappreciated considering how good he's been, especially over his last three turns.
2: Yeah, I've I've seen Boz twice. And it is Boz, by the way, for people that are – it's B-A-Z, but it's pronounced Boz, like Wizard of Boz. I mean, it was actually his Twitter handle. But uh, the fun thing with, with him, I saw him um, in low A, and he was just dominating people with the fastball and the curveball. Um, if he's actually added a cutter, that's huge for his development to keep lefties off of him a little bit because – he has, a, uh, he has a he has a changeup too, which I actually thought was one of his nastiest pitches that he but he suddenly threw it. And you could see why, because when he was throwing the change up, he had no feel, no command of the pitch. It it, it had one of some of the nastiest uh movement with, with the with the running away and the kind of falling off the table than any of his pitches. It's just he couldn't harness it consistently. And it's hard to throw a pitch when you can't throw it first, you know. For a strike, because there's if if they see changeup hitters in low A, anyways, they're not swinging because they're focused with the guy like with Boz, You you're focused on you know one of two pitches. If you don't get that, you're not you know what I mean. You're not swinging unless you're in two strike defense mode because you don't have a chance. But with with what he's got there, but like with that changeup, if that changeup's for real, he, there's one inning stretch where he was able to get that changeup over for strikes, and I I want to say he he ended up getting like four or five swinging misses off of that pitch alone. And he threw like a you know twelve thirteen pitch inning and struck out the side. Like when he gets that changeup going, that's a, it's a weapon he hasn't had previously. But then he tried to throw it, you know, the inning after that, and he couldn't throw it for a strike. And then battles deep counts. A lot of his problem was the command and and not having a real third pitch. But number one, if he's added the cutter and improved the changeup, that's you know a third and fourth pitch. And his efficiency. He's the kind of guy prior to this. The season, the book on on ba- on Boz was, he'll he'll give you five innings, but he'll you know he'll be creeping up toward 100 pitches. If he can stay more efficient, um, it's not not all that is similar from McClanahan in that kind of aspect for the rays, But if he can be more efficient and be more streamlined with his mechanics and with the command, I don't like using number one or two starter upside. But that's the kind of stuff you have. I just don't know if he can go deep enough in games to be that true front of the rotation guy. But who's to say he can't be, like, a Freddie Peralta type where you pitch like an ace, you just don't go deep in the game? Like, why, is he, why can't he be that kind of guy?
1: Yeah, the, he's someone that I'm wondering what the dynasty acquisition cost might be for him. Of course, someone might open his page, see the horrible commands in the past. I don't think the Cat is out of the bag at just maybe what the command is looking like this year. Obviously, it's good and it's better, but I don't think there's, like, bona fide, hey, like, this is a completely different pitcher. So maybe... Uh-huh. It is 27 really, really good innings, but there might still be a little bit of a a, a buy a, a buy window here that this isn't in, yeah. as inflated as you might imagine for someone like Shane Boz. Plus, um,
2: with The Rays, how they handle pitchers, it's kind of like yeah, it's good, but it's also the same thing. Like Shane McClanahan's been great, but he hasn't provided as much fantasy value as he necessarily should just because of how they use him, right? So, like if that makes sense, like wins wise and quality start wise and stuff, but. All right, boys. All on the same boat but i think he needs to be you know he might be a guy that could be up in a month or so in the triple a if he keeps going how he's going
1: cool um let's wrap up this podcast boys normally i ask who you've been picking up in the minor leagues this time i'll maybe just put myself on the spot on the spotlight here and say i've got a trade that i made in a 20 team head-to-head dynasty league i am tearing down i finally traded anthony rendon I don't think I really had any good offers in the offseason that I regret not taking now, given just how poor he started. But I, caught, I pulled the trigger. It was Anthony Rendon. On, I sent away Rendon, Matt Frisbee, Edward Julian, Jeremy De La Those are kind of the three prospects that I probably would have dropped for Gunnar Henderson, Pete Crow Armstrong, Diego Cartaya, a first for next year, and a third for next year. So I'll give you my reasoning. One, I, I'm not gonna lie, I really wanted a Gunnar Henderson uh, share. I, to me, he's he's a top, at least a top 50 prospect. Um, I think the peak Armstrong is someone I can wait on. the The fact that he's gone for the years is a big, big bummer, but even in the small space we saw him in the week or so period where he was playing, we even Ian Smith was out there. Our own Ian Smith. I mean, he was looking really dynamic. He was looking like someone who was even a little bit better than what we expected it to be. Where the power might show up. I mean, the bat-to-ball look great, and those are the guys where the power does eventually does show up. So I'm betting on him really rising in the ranks halfway through next year. And I don't, you know, I'm, I don't, you know, I don't love ca- catching prospects, of course, but David Cartaya, still a teenager, he's going to be a teenager for the rest of the year. Um, he's showing some really big power. I think he hit his fourth home run on Sunday evening when recording this, a 440 foot bomb. I think it was the second one that's gone that far this year. So the power is looking. Kind of insane for him right now, and I wonder if there might be a you know one of those catchers that hits twenty five home runs, but he's still very far away, and the Dodgers are likely to slow roll him a little bit. So he's not a huge part of the deal for me. But I mean, Gunner PCA, uh, Jeff, I'll kick it off to you. Some some you don't know, gotta go too deep, but just brief wrap up thoughts. You know, I don't like selling low on Anthony Rendon, um, but I needed to get moving on him. I felt I was kind of worried that he would finish the year really poor, and I think he's gonna rebound one hundred percent. Anthony Rendon is too good not to rebound, but. I feel like his value would not would might have honestly dipped even more if I waited another month or two.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think um, there's nothing wrong with making this move now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you'll see how it shakes out. It's always tough when you're trading for prospects, but it could be a huge windfall in a couple of years. Um, between Henderson, PCA, and Cartaya, you may have some pieces at the very least that. You know, could be uh, ascending assets that you can then flip for more value in the future. So, I think you probably did yourself well. And I know uh, the Anthony Rendon conundrum on this particular team has been one that's played you for a little bit. So, I'm glad uh, you were finally able to find a deal that you felt was a match.
1: Yeah, certainly. I, I mean, I, I love Rendon. I, I think I've owned them in some team for the last four or five years, uh, but it was kind of biting me here when I'm trying to rebuild. Matt, any sure. uh, any thoughts on on a trade? It, I got thick skin, man. You can tell me if he hated it. I know, I know oh, Smonto didn't love it, but because he, he's, well, he's all over the window.
2: He's a competitor in the league. That's why he didn't like it.
1: Um, <laughs> no, but, different league. Different league. Oh, I different. Just, okay. Yeah.
2: Sorry about that. But, okay. Well, I mean, you definitely got you know Gunner and Cartaya who are on the rise. Unfortunately, PCA had an injury that ends this season for him. But, again, what he showed out, he did well. Just from a prospect standpoint, you you picked up three guys. that co- you traded three guys that cost you nothing. In Frisbee, Julian, and De La Rosa, I picked up Gunner, PCA, and Cartaya. That's great. Uh, the Rendon, I understand it from where you're coming from. and Getting a first and a third essentially for him also would be was a good haul. So, yeah, I think it fits your need. If you're rebuilding, you don't need Rendon, right? Um, Point and simply, you just don't. And as far as getting an out, an offer that you want, why not take Gunner, PCA, and Cartaya? Because Cartaya's a dude who's just so far away, but he might be the – that might be the guy that tips the scale for you in a couple of years on this trade because he's fantastic. I saw him at, at the, uh, in Instructs out in Arizona, and he is an athletic catcher that can run and mash, and that's fun. So.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's really about do you believe in the prospects of trading for someone who might not have gun Henderson? Is, guys. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, and obviously I, I do as well, and, and if you don't believe in – Gunnar Henderson, like we do. Maybe you think he's not a top 100 prospect yet for some reason, and you might say, "Wow, you know, Eddie really, Eddie really screwed this up." But I, like I said, I, th- I think he's an easy top 50 prospect, likely higher than that. As we're all, we're all, we're all ranking eventually for Gunnar Henderson. So yeah, all right. So that was the deal. Rendon for uh, Rendon, Matt Frisbee, Edward Julian, Jeremy De La Rosa for Gunnar Henderson, PCA, Diego Cartaya first and third. That's gonna wrap us up for this week, folks. We will be back next week. We I just want to say we do have something in the works for Prospect Slayer. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll like it. I think it's been a long time coming. So we will release more information when we have it and when it's ready to go. In the meantime, enjoy yourselves. Good luck in your leagues this week. See you next time.